Hi, this is David Yaz at the Boston Podcast Network, hoping you are staying safe and healthy during this period of precaution over the coronavirus. It's difficult to connect with your clients and contacts in a period such as this, but here we continue to produce podcasts that allow you to connect with the people that you want to reach. You've got a rapt audience like never before. People are home, they're listening, and they're waiting to hear from you. We can create a professional podcast with a quick turnaround and do the whole thing remotely so you don't have to leave your home. Get in touch with us at pod617.com. From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing city. Hello, everyone. How you doing, kids, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, thieves. Thank you for joining us on the Boston Podcast, the podcast that... No pandemic can stop. We've been trying to go full blast here. We've actually been offering free appearances on the show for business owners and others, people who want to let people know that they're still trucking in the middle of this pandemic. And if you know someone like that, please email me, David, at pod617.com. And if you like this uh, podcast, please share it with a friend. I remind people we are producing podcasts just like we were before. We used to do them remotely. We still do them remotely. Everything's done remotely these days, but if you want to work with us, produce your own podcast, um, send us, uh, don't send me an email, just go to the website, pod617.com. There's lots of buttons and bells and whistles on there. You'll figure it out. We'll send you out a microphone for free and you can get started. But I digress because I have a great guest here today in the virtual pod617 studio and it's Jan, John, John, Jan, John. Jack, John. does it matter? <laughs> None of us have names anymore. No, it has always been John Anastasi, my friend, lawyer, lawyer, renaissance man, all around, good guy. Anyway, John, how are you, my friend? David, I'm well. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. No thanks problem. For, uh, thanks for the diversion in week seven of this whole thing. Yeah, um, you said it, man. And you could have told me it was week 13 and I would have believed you. But when you said week yeah. seven, I'm like, yeah, I guess I guess that's about right. Um, if you um, have a bet on when this all will end, I'm putting you on the spot here, John. Oh, man. And I don't even know what that the problem is. We don't even know what what end means. Right. But um, what if people in your circle has been saying, like, when can we get back to work? I guess is the is the pointed question. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everyone's cautious right what when can we get when can we start going back to work and what does it mean when we go back to work right all, all that's a question right so i mean for example we're a law firm right and so yep. we are now completely remote yep uh like 65 employees that are now all working from home yep you have 65 uh, employees i guess i never knew yeah. that holy yeah, moly 35 35 attorneys, maybe roughly, okay. and 65 total employees. Okay. All work, all working from home. So, right? John, so, so John, by the way, I, I neglected to say this at the top. I was getting there, I swear. But John is a partner at the law firm Lando and Anastasi, and they have the coolest uh, website URL in the world. It's lalaw.com. How easy is that to remember? It was my favorite yeah. show. It was the reason why. Yeah. It's the reason why I went to law school, to be honest with you. <laughs> we date ourselves. We date ourselves by, I, by knowing what that show is. I know. guess we do. Did you? And this is again. We're going to get to um, what John does. He's an intellectual property lawyer, and I want to ask him a few questions about that and how world and business has changed now. 
But did you watch that show? Was that a favorite of yours? Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, did you have a favorite lawyer on LA Law? Oh, you know, I, all I can say about that show is that we are not, we are no way near as sexy or as exciting or as fun <laughs> as, <laughs> as Come LA on, Law. your copyright and trademark lawyers, that I suppose under certain circumstances can be uh, interesting. They would occasionally on LA Law. So for those that don't know, yes, and we are getting old, John, knowing the details of that show. It was very big in the 80s. Uh, it was kind of the first, I shouldn't say the first because there have always been TV shows about the law, but it was kind of a breakthrough show ensemble cast and just about a law firm in LA and they they seem to handle every kind of law right. they every case they had was interesting most if not all of the lawyers were very attractive yeah. <laughs> and and of there course. was there was always some sort of hanky panky going on you had yeah. um Corbin Burnson playing Arnie Becker the slimy divorce lawyer who apparently slept with every one of his clients and several staff members as well um, and you had Harry Hamlin as Mike Kuzak, the kind of noble do-gooding lawyer. And then you had the very fetching Susan Day as Grace Van Owen, who, uh, wow, later, look at you. Yeah, you I knew too, way too much about this show, but my little anecdote is that I, uh, the, the, my only sort of, you know, arbitrary connection to the show is years later after the show had had its run, I noticed that two of the actors, and I'm going to forget their names, but they played um, Stuart, Stuart Markowitz was the, he was the short Jewish guy lawyer. And then Ann Kelsey was his, his wife on the show and in real life. I forget the actor's name, so pardon me, um, my friends. But they were doing a, a two-person show, like review, where they would go kind of sing songs and say a few things. And I think they were doing it for charity. And it came to Providence, Rhode Island, and I got a press release. I was working at Lawyers Weekly at the time. And I said, I can call these guys and interview these guys. So I called them and had a, had a really nice long chat with those two guys and asked them everything about the show. I was a geek. Wow. Yeah, but we that digress. Was your, that was your, um, so you've always been an interviewer. Little did you know, many years later, you'd be interviewing everybody on podcast. That's a sure. great point, John. And um, maybe I should call Stuart and Ann today or whatever their real names are. Yeah, how about a reprise? How about a reprise? <laughs> Reprise. We'll have another LA Law reunion. They had one of those. It was terrible. So intellectual property, of course, for those that don't know, we're talking copyright, patent, and I mean, I, we joke that you, you, you're, um, you know, uh, you sort of alluded to the fact that you're more of a green lampshade guy and not like a guy who's who's arguing in court, you know, with fervor and zeal and all that. But you deal with some pretty interesting issues, right? Oh yeah. Tell I me. Mean, I. So IP is, you're, you're right, it's patents, it's trademarks, it's copyrights, and we're a mid-size IP firm boutique. Mm -hmm. um, so like I said at the beginning, 35 attorneys, um, but we do it all, right? So uh, we we do, I mean, our bread and butter is get is protecting IP, so getting patents, yep. uh, getting trademarks, uh, filing copyright registrations, but we also do litigation, so we are in court. You know, we defend against other people's assertions of IP infringement, or we assert that our client's IP is being infringed. We do, mm -hmm. we do it all, but it, you know, we're, I'm not anyway near as sexy as Corbin Burson. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, and, you, and we're you, all we're all former engineers, right? You know, we're all former. I, mean, I have a master's degree, for example, in electrical engineering. So, yeah, you know, we're a little, little, we're a little more geeky. So, yeah, you have to know how things work and. 
in order to figure out who's stealing the ideas. And um, I actually find it interesting. In fact, the the podcast industry was almost brought to its knees by a a patent troll. I'm going back about five years. You probably knew. Did you know about this case? I did not know know about it. But patent trolls, I mean, patent troll litigation has been, you know, a big issue for a decade at least now. It has caused changes in the statute, changes in the courts. It's it's completely modified the way business is done. Yeah. So what these, what some certain enterprising schmucks figured out was that if you, that you can, these people would form companies that their only purpose was to sue people for stealing their, right? If you tell me if I got it wrong, they, they would file these trademarks and then, uh, or patents rather, their patent trolls after all, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So they would file a patent, you know, claiming this was their idea and they could prove, they could sort of show that it was, even though others were using it, others who use this device, in this case, it was the method in which podcasts were being distributed. And so they said, yeah. well, we own this patent. So you have to yeah. stop using it. You have to stop yeah. doing all your podcasts or, or else. And yeah. they had a case, unfortunately. Has, has things changed? Is it harder for patent trolls to do that sort of thing? Oh, yes, of course, it's harder. I mean, there's, um, you know, for example, the rules have changed and the statutes have changed. So they used to, for just one example would be, yep. they used to be able to bring multiple, one case against multiple defendants okay. in a court, but then they changed it so that now you you have to file in the, the defendants individu- individually, individual suits against one defendant. Right, so which is a chore. Yeah, yeah, much, much yeah. more of a chore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's good news because I thought that was ridiculous. It eventually went away, and and but but it cost you know legal fees up the was. Yeah, well, it's, like, it's 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 basically extortion. Is what yeah, it is, right? it's it's, it's it was at the time legal a legal form of extortion. So um, I don't another mean to, big. I want to yeah. answer your question. Oh, go ahead, John. Another, yeah. thing, um, another way that the laws have changed is that now it's it, there's a whole bunch of avenues. Once a patent issues, you can now challenge the patent's validity. So in this case, that uh, after the patent issues, and there are a number of ways to do that that didn't exist before, but they all were born out of the patent troll litigation. So that's what happens now. Even in legitimate lawsuits, mm-hmm. not not just patent troll litigation, the very first thing you can expect if you are the plaintiff in a patent patent litigation is that the defendant's going to challenge the validity of the patent. Or if you're the defendant, the very first thing you're going to do is challenge the validity of the patent. And, right. And you know, uh, there's, it's pretty, pretty, pretty high success rate of either modifying the patent or having some or all the claims be narrowed or, or actually invalidated. So that's right. usually that's what happens first. Now, from what I'm told, the process of obtaining a patent can be burdensome because, you know, everyday Schmendricks like me think, hey, I just invented a new toilet paper holder or, you know, I just invented right. a new this right. or that. Is that so? And if you if you really do come up with an idea that you think is you know marketable and you and you want to protect it, should people talk to lawyers like you? Of course, yes, um, yes. It's it is it is an arduous process, no doubt, and it, it's an expensive process. And you don't, you don't want to just file for a patent for anything. Mm-hmm. So typically, 
I mean, we, we work with a lot of corporate clients, so they're kind of sophisticated. They know generally what the costs are going to be, and they've reviewed their disclosures beforehand before maybe they send them to us. So in, in those situations, we are not necessarily vetting whether to file, but for, I also have a lot of individual or entrepreneurial or, or venture-backed clients, and I spend a lot of time with them early on. very first question I ask them is, why do you want to get a patent? Yeah. Why do you want to get a patent? Right, you know, and then we go through the what the process is, what the cost might be. We do some searching up front. Typically, I have them search on their own because if I tell them something but they don't experience it, then they're not going to really understand or believe me. So I I make it a collaboration. I force them to go out and search on their own so they see what the world of patents look like and they get an idea of what we're going to face before we ever do anything. Mm-hmm. So. In the podcast world, if you don't mind me asking about that, um, I'll put you on the spot, and, and you're not here to give legal advice. I'll do the disclaimer for you. John is not here to give <laughs> legal advice. We're just talking, okay? So he can't be sued if he tells you something that you think is is one thing, and it turns out to be another. Um, however, there are things that come up in the in the podcast world, and, and one is if you come up with, a, say you come up with a great name for a podcast. In fact, I'll use the yeah. example of a podcast that uh, – well, this is the Boston podcast, and if someone else wants to be the Boston podcast, just have at it. I got it first, so screw you. But um, we we have one. I have one I do with a pal. Have you filed for? I, sorry, I interrupted. You. <laughs> no, have that's you okay. Filed, have you filed for the uh, registration for that? No, I'll admit it here on my podcast. I have not, and I should. Well, the only thing I own, to to be quite frank, is the bostonpodcast.com. I own the URL. Now I've been doing yeah. business with this podcast for a couple of years now, so I think I would sure. have a leg to stand on. But yeah, let's you continue. Let's continue with that example. So I, I should file. Uh, let's see, what would it be? Would it be a, a copyright? Would it be a trademark? The name is a trademark. Okay. Uh, so, so you have the URL, you're doing business under it, you actually have to probably develop some rights, you know, within within our region of Boston, people will recognize the podcast and right. Boston podcast as you right. So you mm-hmm. have some rights. Uh, if you're doing business in, you know, with, uh, inter- interstate commerce between the States now, which we are essentially by being on this platform, right. uh, then you could, uh, could file for a federal registration for a trademark. The thing about the name, the thing about any name, when you talk about a, a name and associating a name with your goods or services or show is the more arbitrary the name, the better. So here, the name yep. of the Boston Podcast is is descriptive, right? So yep, it's a geographic name, and it's a, and it's podcast. Yep, both of those things are descriptive of what's going, where you are, and what you're doing. So I don't, I don't like the way this is going, John. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I had a feeling you were going to say this. Yeah. It's actually the same reason why, and podcasters listen up because it's the same reason why it's actually hard to find my podcast sometimes is because when you go to search engines, the terms podcast term podcast is not going to help you when you go to find a podcast because they're all podcasts and the term Boston that it could refer to, you know, obviously it's a big city, (laughs) you know, it's a common term. So in parallel fashion, what you're saying is uh, it's, it it would be difficult to trademark this just because there's such, I got a city and I got the report. It's, there's nothing. Exactly. If I were the super duper Zingo Zongo podcast, that's easier. Exactly. Something weird. Yeah. Okay. All right. Kind of aligns with your question about if somebody has IP, should they talk to an attorney? Yes, because um, 
I see that a lot. I see this scenario a lot where somebody invests in the name for their right. goods and services. And just because you have a URL doesn't mean you have, you're going to be able to get a trademark to the mm-hmm. name. Um, right. And so they invest, you know, years and money and effort into marketing the name. And then they realize that they can't get protection or worse that somebody else, they get a letter from somebody else saying cease and desist using the name because the name is so confusingly similar to our name. And now you have become so well known that we have, a, we have an issue. Right. So. All right. Well, we'll talk offline. <laughs> yeah. I remember going through this and like, you know, we we're, we're Boston podcast network. We're pod six, one, seven.com. I, we are registered as the Boston podcast network LLP. So no one else could steal that as a business yeah. name, but as a trademark, it's a different story. Well, but let me ask you this. This is the other place I was going is that there's actually a great controversy. And if you, if you need to like um, sort of culture your answer or do a disclaimer or whatever, you do what you want. You're the smart guy. You're the lawyer. But when people in podcast use music, there's actually a big debate within the podcasting industry about because um, there, there are people that say don't ever, ever under any circumstances use copyrighted music on your podcast. Now, the intro of my show contains a lot of quotes from Boston figures those are, um, in my opinion, in the in the public domain. They're, they're because they were they're from news sources right. and like Big Poppy right. saying this is our city and all that. Right. And then right. and then the song in my opening in my intro is my brother's band. So if he wants to sue me, he can sue me. However, yeah. I do play clips from things, and I like to think that they are played for the purposes of something other than just repeating it for its its commercial purposes. And you know, uh, you know, hey, here's a new hit song by Jay-Z. I'm going to play it and people are going to like my podcast. I understand how that's a ripoff, but this is a rambling question. I guess, the, I guess, I guess I, I tend to think of fair use and I don't know how much we want to get into what fair use is, but right. um, can you provide any thoughts or guidance on that in general to podcasters who might want to use something that might be copyrighted material on their show? Have you, so He's a lawyer. He's gonna are, he's gonna answer a question yeah. with a question. No, oh, go ahead, you, you know, have you asked? Have you thought about maybe signing up for just a general copyright license that allows you to use anything? Um, no, maybe I should. I don't know if such a thing exists though for for music. I suppose no, it does. It does. It does. There's okay. Cl- yeah. Okay. There are clearing houses that allow you to just, um, you know, then you use pay any music. Right. Pay a fee. Pay, pay a, a monthly fee, fee or something. Yeah. 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 We looked into, we, we produced a show called Higher Ground, which is about higher education law, and we looked into using the song Higher Ground by Stevie Wonder. We were told it was $10,000 uh, each time we use it, and that was the end of the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about a, no. blank, a blanket license. I'm just a blanket license yeah. where you just pay a fee, and you don't, no longer have to worry about it. Okay. Right? Because you, otherwise... You know, if you're going to get into the fair use doctrine, then, you know, commercial uses aren't going, generally commercial uses are anything related to a commercial for profit type situation yep. is not going to be a, a, a fair use, but anything educational, that sort of thing w- would be a fair use or parody, those sorts of things become yep. fair use. Well, there's parody. There's I've read this and I should probably get yep. a real lawyer to read it, not a, an armchair lawyer like me, but... Um, the fair use doctrine does say that if you use it for the purposes of, like you say, parody, criticism, commentary, yeah. and yeah. I think news reporting might be the other one, um, is okay. But then, you know, there's a there's always going to be a balancing act. If, if you say, I really like this song, and then you play the whole thing, 
I'm guessing that probably wouldn't float. But if you say, you know, this, there are certain songs that were exemplary of the strife over the Vietnam War in the 70s. Let me play just a little bit of this Doors song. I would guess that that would be okay. But yeah, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, John, but it's just, it's funny how people, you must come across this, that there are so many misconceptions about intellectual property law. Oh, yeah. Um, Misconceptions about intellectual property law and, frankly, what intellectual property law touches. We just gave an example, right, Right. of of how you see it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a case with – I have a case with a nutritious linebacker where he custom-designed his home. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he and his builder had a contractual dispute – Mm-hmm. over the building of the home and the price and modifications, all sort of stuff. And it went down a r- bad rabbit hole pretty quickly and, and ended up in the builder and the contract being terminated. But you, quite the facts about that termination are all a part of a lawsuit. But anyway, mm-hmm. in the end, the, uh, the former linebacker is not allowing the builder to continue to build his home, wants to wants his home for himself, even though the contract's been terminated and the builder wants to sell it to somebody else right. because he he designed the home for himself and it's a custom-designed home and it's the subject matter of copyright, architectural works, wow. the subject matter of copyright. So, so he thinks he owns the copyright to this house, even if he doesn't own the right. house. <laughs> Sort right. of. So right, the builder yeah. owns the builder owns the land. Right. The builder has construct you know constructed the house has actually done now, and he's renting it out because oh. yep. he can't sell it because we have a lawsuit pending with them against the builder where we won't let him sell it because uh, the the former linebacker has a you know a copyright on the home. This is this is a cool case, and has it has it come up before? I mean, it it seems like. I can see the argument on your side for sure, but I can see why the other side's pissed because it's like, well, you know, we expended the, if I'm, unless I'm missing the facts, the builder, you know, took the expense and time and resources and he built the whole thing. And now the other guy is holding him up and just saying, well, yeah, but it was my design. So get lost. Right. Yeah. So both parties have, both parties are annoyed right, <laughs> in right. the situation. The former linebacker was annoyed by the fact that, you know, he, had a contract in place and designed a home and, and picked this lot. And, you know, now three years ago now at least was hoping to be in his home and, and he isn't. And the builder's annoyed because he can't sell the home and we're preventing that from happening. Right. And then you know, the underlying factual disputes are much messier, but, but the copyright is, is the, is the key issue in the case. And has that, is that, is that a a novel issue is, or uh, I'll remember this from law school days, an issue of first impression, or is it, um, is there sort of solid law on this? In other words, can he do this? Can he hold, can he hold up something like this because he designed the house? It's not a case of first impression. There is case law out there. So, uh, but it's, it's not like, it's not cut and dry. um, Cut and dry, want, correct, and it's also, um, you know, it's not something com- it's not common because it's not right. a common situation. Most of the time, when you when you ask a builder to build a home, you're not custom designing your home; you're essentially going with existing plans. Uh, home, you know, you're modifying carpet or paint or whatever. Right. You're not modifying the, the overall structure of the home, mm-hmm. uh, and so 
in this case, for example, the builder had no appreciation of, that this issue even existed, right? right? So he he proceeded thinking he was going to be free and clear and be able to do whatever he wanted, not realizing that this copyright issue was going to stop him. Not realizing, you know, yep. And not realize and then, he was messing with John Anastasi of uh, LALaw.com, yeah, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Um, yeah, so they brought, uh, the former linebacker brought us in when the cut, you know, when the when the contractual dispute couldn't be resolved, mm. right? And and when it, he had to bring in like the hammer, and this is really the hammer in the case. Yeah, yeah, wow, um, and ironic that the the former linebacker, who I'm guessing is still a pretty strapping man, had to bring you in, John, with your you know. 250 pound legal muscles on each arm. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah. once again, by the way, we, we I'm joking, but um, John Anastasi's Anastasi is a great guy. You should, you should know. And if you have any questions about IP law um, website, best place to get in touch with you, John. Uh, so we touched on it a little bit, but that website is www.lalaw.com. There you go. Um, and my email address is J Anastasi, J A N A S T A S I at LA Law.com. My go. direct dial phone number is 617-395-7001. Very cool. So there you go. So tell me, we're going to get to what uh, we're going to play good stuff and we're going to give uh, everyone out there, Quarantine Nation, a tip on our most recent, most favorite tip on surviving this silly thing. But before we get there, tell me a little bit, John, about how business has changed for you. You mentioned it's upside down. It's all virtual. You got a bunch of employees out there. And maybe how it will change permanently into the, right. the future or shift or something. What do you think? Right. Uh, so in some, ways it, in some ways, it really hasn't changed, but some ways it's completely changed. So, for example... The U.S. Patent Office is, is all electronic, so we do everything electronically with the Patent Office. We file patent applications, we and, and we prosecute them through uh, through uh, their portal, right? So that hasn't changed. I can do that from home. I can do that from the beach. I wish I was at the beach, but I can do that from the beach. Um, so that hasn't changed, and it will not change even once we go back to uh, some sense of normalcy. Uh, what has changed, for example, is you know with our workforce at home, what, what are, will their expectations be once we come out of this? You know, we, we just took brand new space in downtown Boston, 25,000 square feet. We started wow. in Cambridge. Yeah. We moved, we had 30,000 square feet in Cambridge. We moved to Boston. We started to 25,000 square feet of space, but we have brand new 10 year lease for that fits our entire firm, 65 employees. And now we're all working from home and nobody's in the office. Yeah. What's, what's going to happen when we go back to some sense of normalcy and what are, and what are the expectations of our personnel? Cause we're, I think we're, I, I like to think we're a progressive law firm. We started, our model has always been to treat our employees. Well, we, we're not laying anybody off during this time. We've, we, we always err on the side of treating them well. We pay full health insurance and we maximize their 401ks. We, we do everything we can to treat our employees well, mm -hmm. including flexibility. Right. We, we like to be flexible. We, we allow employees some form of flexibility, but we also like them in the office. Right. So what, is, is that going to change now? Once yeah. this, and I don't have the answer to the question. I believe it will. 
Yeah. Or even even this platform, right? I mean, I had never used this platform before we before this whole thing came down. Now I'm on it every day. Yeah. Ne- networking and t- talking to clients, talking to you. Um, this platform is great. And, and it used to be that most of my communications with clients were via email. They send me a disclosure. We would, you know, call them up on the phone, talk about the disclosure, write it up, file it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but there was no interpersonal dynamics really other than through the phone or via email. Most and 90% of it's done through email. Most right. of the time I'm not even seeing my client face to face. Now with this platform, we really should be talking to them through, through these, through these media. I, I, I really believe in, you know, a face to face if possible, but if not, this is a great medium. And yep. so you I said- really believe it's going to change. You said a lot of good things there, and so now I'm going to ramble and um, and and pile on. But no, what you said was this is a great platform you you would never really use before. We've been using Zoom and other platforms to record podcasts remotely for a long time, but admittedly, it's it's been a relatively small part of what we do, and now it's it's all we do. I right. think I think my prediction is Zoom if they're if they're smart. And they're, 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 they certainly have the resources now because the, out of anyone in this whole mess, Zoom, the, the Zoom uh, video conferencing platform has to be the big winner. Um, I think they're going to improve because there are, it's a good platform. And it's particularly, it's particularly a, a very solid replacement for face-to-face for something like you and I are doing right now. We can both you know, see each other. There are only two boxes on the screen or one box on the screen or whatever. When you, when you get to larger groups there are limitations. Um, you can't hear everybody all the time. There are things Zoom can uh, clean up around the edges, I think, to make that better. Yeah. Not not to mention that other things around the technology that maybe is non-Zoom can get better. For example, why don't smart TVs all come with cameras and uh, a Zoom app right on the TV? Because we're all looking into these laptops that, you know, and the laptops have good resolution compared to what we're used to in the past. It is like looking right. at a little TV, but it's still a little TV. And I did, um, I did a virtual, I can't believe I'm admitting this, a virtual yoga class yesterday. And so, yeah. and so yeah. what I did was, I, <laughs> I know, it was the first time I tried it, but I was like, what the hell? So, and there were like, you know, maybe a dozen people also doing it. I hooked it up to my TV mainly so I could see, you know, my eyes are, are shot like every other 51 year olds and I'm trying to see the screen. You know, I figured hook it up to the TV that way. At least I can see what the instructor is doing. So I know what I'm doing. TVs right. should come with it. Right. Um, you know, in the future we could have high definition like screens on our wall where you hit a button and all of a sudden it's almost like you're standing in the room with the person because that I think I don't know what, what you think, you, but you're a good person to ask, being a patent and trademark lawyer is, about technology and all that. I wonder if that's coming because the whole purpose of this thing is to simulate face to face. And why doesn't it simulate face to face? Because the audio is not always good. Because the the because it cuts out now and again. I don't know what would you, you, have you thought about that. Of course, it's coming. It's coming. I'm sure they're innovating right now. I mean. This time is causing all kinds of innovation. We're seeing we're seeing a lot of innovation, for example, in the in the healthcare space, or you know, in the disinfectant mm-hmm. space, uh, that sort of stuff. Because the, these times are necessitating it. But yeah. it's we're also this platform has security issues, right? I don't know if you've seen that in the news about for sure about, about questions about the security of this platform. And there are other platforms, and they all have limitations. So I'm sure each one of these companies right now is 
working on their security issues or working on their, you know, I can't tile for more than 40 people issues right. or yeah. all of those. And, and they're improving their software. And they're, they're definitely talking to their IP attorneys about protecting that. And the same goes with smart TVs, right? I mean, when I look at a smart TV now, if I, if I, depending upon what TV I go to in my house, one of them has the ability to stream YouTube and Netflix and right. those sorts of things, and one of them doesn't. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's right, not one of them's older. Yeah, and, that's right. One's smarter than the other. Yeah, <laughs> that's just like any so other. That, that's just like any we're other going house. There. Yeah, we're going. <laughs> it's there. just like any other house. One brother always thinks he's smarter than the other brother. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but you're right, and and so and then we have these things like the smart speakers i have an, an echo show which is just alexa with a, a mini tv screen but it's still she heard me uh, no alexa never mind never mind um <laughs> anyway she, she but it's still it's a tiny tv screen it's better than nothing i can call my parents on that thing if i want to but then you know then they're doing the thing where they're both trying to stare into this tiny tv screen you know yeah. you have uh, listeners you don't I get the visual a sign of age <laughs> yes. i'm too i'm too close to the t- i'm too close to the monitor right now but i think it's a sign of the older we are the more like is this on <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, uh, listeners on the pod, you can't see, but John, um, did a very nice imitation of an old person getting way too close to the screen. That's what happens. Um, so I think all that's going to change anyway. Great thoughts. Great thoughts, John. I appreciate it. We're kind of up against the clock in a moment. We're going to play good stuff and then wrap things up. But I want, Oh geez, what just happened to my voice? Yikes. Um, at any By rate, the way, I got a question that intro was David Ortiz. Was it John Mita Perel also? Oh, very good. Very, very good ears. Uh, John. Yes. One John knows another. Yes. That's old friend, John Mita Perel, who, uh, we produced a podcast for him called the meter is running and he did a great sort of single season deal where he interviewed people like Bob Ryan and authors and athletes and everyone in between. So yes, we, I still use meters. That was a great intro. I love that. Oh, intro. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, and I thank meter wherever he is. He's still doing his thing. He, John meter Pearl does basketball. Well, he used to do uh, basketball color commentary for ESPN until the recent events. And John, I hope you're okay. Has anyone thought about John Meter Perel? Well, we just did. At any rate, um, briefly want to tell you what we do at the Boston Podcast Network. Would you like your own podcast? This is actually an opportune time to start one. I mentioned that at the top of the show, but if you're interested, go to pod617.com. We can get you started with a quality USB microphone. We'll ship it right out to you. Yes, those companies are still shipping out those mics. They're arriving on time, believe it or not. And you could be producing your pod. We could be helping you do so remotely right from the comfort of your home. And I mentioned this before, but as a service to our business owners and friends that want to keep the word out there that they're still in business, come on this show for free. That's no strings attached. Email me at david at pod617.com. It's a small part we can do in the podcast world to keep the marketing engine running and humming during these unprecedented times. Okay, let's play uh, good stuff. Here it is. Oh, that's the good stuff. And since I'm a lawyer and John's a lawyer, I'll give the disclaimer that John Anastasi had about 17 seconds to prepare for this segment because I did not give him a heads up before the show. Sorry about that, John. Nevertheless, I ask you, is do you have a tip or something you've seen, done, some coping device, something good for our uh, listeners today? Um, so I would say... One thing that I'm doing now that I don't know um, 
if you're, you just mentioned doing a virtual yoga class, I, yeah. I recently got myself a nice Apple watch Ooh, cool. Not, and you know, uh, the thing that the only things that I really look at my, on my Apple watch are my heart rate and the number of steps that I do. Okay. And so we started this step challenge at our firm where it, we, we are trying to motivate each other Got it. on a daily basis. So we all report in with our steps mm-hmm. and it's become really motivating for me to increase my steps. So I'm currently averaging about 19,000 steps a day. That seems like a ton. So this begs the question, where exactly are you stepping? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anywhere and everywhere I can. Yeah. So yeah, what, right? I mean, so, are you going for walks outside? Are you just, yeah, okay. going out for si- walks yeah. outside, uh, running on the treadmill, running outside, yeah, taking the dog for a walk many times a day. The dog's probably tired <laughs> of me walking him. I've said this before on my podcast, but the dogs are the big winners in this whole, other than Zoom, which we mentioned before, the other winners of this quarantine are dogs. Everybody's always home. Everybody's oh, he never has to beg for something to eat or someone to play with exactly. or to play fetch. And everybody always wants to take him for a walk, which is what he usually right. wants to do anyway. So congratulations, right. dogs. Yes. <laughs> I, I, the only problem is I think my dog is going to go through separation anxiety if this ever ends. Yeah. I think they will. Yeah. It's going to be, wait, wait, wait a minute. Where'd everybody go? I thought the, <laughs> thought this was the exactly. new normal. Yeah. yeah. So that's a good one. That's a, I mean, that that's, that's a good, like, I mean, I'm maybe like you in that I need to be tricked into doing exercise. <laughs> you know, I need yeah, some. Exactly. I am not yeah. motivated individually. I'm not motivated, right. but if you join a group, yep. um, then, you know, like we're doing it as a firm. So that, that like has it. become really motivating for me. And I think, you know, that's the same same thought behind the whole, I was on a Zoom social call last night where this topic of discussion became the Peloton and you either hate it or you love it. Yeah, I know. Right? I was going to bring up Peloton because they're the other winners in this thing because, and that's, that's from what I don't have one, but from what I understand, same sort of motivating thing. It's, it's competition yeah. with someone you can actually see yeah. on your screen, right. which is cool. Yeah, my, my tragic story was I decided I was going to, run stairs there at the back end of my apartment building there's a set of stairs that that people rarely use and uh day one i went up and down for about 20 minutes got a a good froth going you know and so then day two kind of got lazy uh it turned out to be like 10 30 maybe even close to 11 at night and i said screw it i'm gonna do it now so i get to do it at least once during the day and my neighbor stuck his head out of his door and, and was furious because apparently i was making a lot more noise then I realized. So that end, <laughs> that ended the stairs and now we're on to yoga or maybe something else. But you're right. I mean, that, that's and the and I'll say this. I know that um, if you my first thought was, well, you know, that's a cool idea. But should I go out and invest in an Apple Watch? I think the most of the phones have it, too. If you can slip your phone into your, you your pocket. Yeah, you it, it'll it'll yeah. count the steps. You have, and, you have an activity, there's activity trackers on your phone. Right. Yes. I may the do only, that. The only, the only problem with that is for me is then you got to, if you're running, for example, you got to carry the phone. I know. Yeah. I don't like to carry And anything. there's I'm, no. I'm laboring is enough as I'm running. I don't need to be distracted by some phone or anything else. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you and I've experimented with all those. The, the phones got really smaller for a while and you could slip them into like an armband kind of thing that you could buy. Now, good luck with that. It, I've tried armbands. They don't work. Like it's, it's a pain. So the only thing you can do is actually carry it. All right. Now I'm depressed. No. Um, so 
that's that's a good one. Um, and uh, let's see, do I have a recommendation for good stuff? The only thing I'd say is I'll recommend a, a TV show. If you haven't seen it, you should. And it's a new. There's a new season out now. It's called Killing Eve. It's a BBC show. Have you ever seen this, John? I have not. Yeah. It's it's one of these. Everybody's looking for you know what should I watch now because I'm bored of everything. Exactly. Yeah. Um, if you go back, I forget what streaming platform it's on, but you'll find it. Just Google it, people. You know what to do. Killing Eve, it's uh, Sandra Oh, who is, she's won awards for this show, and it's just an unlikely kind of tale of a serial killer who is this very glamorous uh, person named Villanelle. I don't know what the actress's name is, but she's really compelling, and Sandra Oh is the law enforcement sort of yin to her yang, and yan, and so they... Um, develop this weird sort of respect for each other. But go back to season one. They're on season. If you didn't realize it, they just released season three. And it's, um, you know, if you like crime drama, and most people do, it's a cool one. So it is a little bloody. So watch out if you're watching with the kids, you know, let them well, know. Given your knowledge of LA law in this show, right. I, I think I'm going to have <laughs> to take your recommendation on this show. Thank you, John. Yes. See that all those hours spent um, watching TV in college. And when I was a young person, they pay off in however small, meaningless fashion. But I'm glad you enjoyed it, John. Um, once again, John Anastasi, um, intellectual property lawyer. Go to LALaw.com. So easy to remember. I love it. And uh, I hope you had a good time, John. This was great. I love it. Thanks for the, thanks for the opportunity, the diversion, the, the ability to talk to <laughs> somebody live. Yeah. Huh? That's what we need. That's what we need. Well, thank you. And um, thank you, listeners, for listening to the Boston Podcast. As usual, if you like this podcast, please share it with a friend, colleague, really anybody. Email me, david at pod617.com if you want to be a guest on this show. Or go to pod617.com, the website. If you want to start your own pod, there are all kinds of deals and bells and whistles and buttons on there. You can find us. On behalf of John Anastasi, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston... You must be the other guy. Have a good day, everybody. Get out there. Do some steps. Try to beat John. Good luck, though. Right? (laughs) 